0: Let me ask you a question. What is your favorite fruit? What is your favorite fruit? Those who are online, you might want to drop it in the chat there, what your favorite fruit is. And I'll be looking for it if you uh, say anything about it. But what is your favorite fruit? Now, I did run into somebody who did say that they did not like fruit at all. I was like, what? (laughs) Who are you? How can you do that? Anyway... Some people don't like fruit, and you know that's okay. That's all right. But uh, what is your favorite fruit? I know for me, I've, I've got a number of them. I don't have just one, but uh, I like strawberries, and boy, especially if you get the uh, oh, the whipped cream and everything else, or maybe on vanilla ice cream. Oh, my goodness, that's so good. Probably the ice cream I like more. But apples, I like apples as well. we got a big old apple tree in our front yard. And that thing produces some pretty good (laughs) apples. And some of you know, we live on kind of on a hill. And uh, we can't get to all the apples. And they fall on the road. And they go rolling on down. And they hit Sunnyside Road. Maybe some of you have driven by uh, that area. And you've seen some orange splotches in the road there. That would probably be our apples. And I apologize for if it messes up your car driving by. But uh, we got plenty of apples. Bananas. I like bananas. Bananas. and there's a song about that, and I almost started singing it. But uh, anyway, I do like bananas, and they're very good. Uh, also, too, watermelon. Oh, my goodness, on a hot summer day, watermelon, cool watermelon. Now, some of you like to put salt on it, and I'm not going to judge you for that, and that's all right. But you know, I've heard it brings out the flavor, and <laughs> Chris is going to judge you for it. Okay, well, all right. Anyway, so yeah, Mike Grimm says, all berries, pineapple, and red grapes. I'm with you on the red grapes thing. Red grapes, green grapes, I would probably choose the red grapes. And they, for me, they need to be seedless. For me, there's nothing worse than ch- chomping into a grape and thinking there are no seeds, and you go, crunch? And you go, ah, I need to go see the dentist. But, uh, yeah. And, uh, oh, Brian Norby says strawberries. Yeah, that's his. Peaches. Okay, Chris. And raspberries. Uh, she's chiming in. Elizabeth says watermelon. Rod. Cantaloupe. Rod. Really? <laughs> of all of them. Neil, oh, Linda's is grapefruit. God bless you for that. You know, someone's got to like the grapefruit, I guess. I'm not a fan of the grapefruit too much, but, uh, but yeah, I, I like other citrus, oranges, yeah, that's good, tangerines, you know, all those fun, fun ones, but uh, yeah, anyway, uh, so your favorite fruit, it's I'll put this right here so I don't forget it. I usually forget it when I put my phone down there, I'm well at home, and then I go, where's my phone? It's down at the bottom of the pulpit. Oh, yeah. Um, but fruit, it's, huh, I just, I like it. I love fruit. Um, but, you know, not all fruit is in season. It not, it, you know, sometimes you, you wish you had this, but it's not in season yet. You can get it probably from somewhere in the world, but it's not the same, is it, when it's in season. Um, but there are peak seasons. I've heard, and I looked up online what those peak seasons were. So just in case you're wondering, when your fruit is in peak season, according to this website, now you might uh, you know, argue that it's not totally accurate, but this is what they say. In the spring, if you like apricots, bananas, kiwi fruit, mango, pineapples, and strawberries in the spring, that's when those happen. I thought strawberries were uh, peak season in the summer, but um, blackberries in summer, blueberries, cherries, cherries. We finally got cherries on our cherry tree. I think it's been... 17 years. We were there first, and we saw the cherries. cherry tree in the back and went, yes, we got cherries in the back. And we never saw another cherry after that. Now, I don't know if the crows got to it before we did, but boy, this time, though, maybe it was the, the freeze that broke all the branches down. We had to trim it off. Maybe the tree needed to be pruned a bit. But uh, anyway... We got cherries and uh, it was so good. Uh, Nectarines in the summertime, peaches, plums, raspberries, tomatoes. Uh, That's the fruit of the garden, I think. Anyway, uh, watermelon, um, all that. Figs, I don't. I I like fig Newtons. And in the fall, you have apples and cranberries and grapes and pears and pomegranates. And in the winter, there's your grapefruit, Linda, lemons, oranges, and tangerines. It sounds like wintertime, I guess, is the citrus. But uh, but there's one fruit that is always in season. It's not a fruit that you can eat, but is one that everyone should enjoy. And, of course, uh, tomatoes. No, no, I don't enjoy tomatoes so much. But the fruit of the spirit, fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, of course, self-control. But fruit of the Spirit. We're looking at this summer, uh, this series on fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to be uh, taking one of the fruit, uh, each each characteristics of fruit of the Spirit each Sunday. We will, we will, you know, you do the math. You're thinking there's nine, and you're going to, that's not enough. But we've got other things that are going on. Missionaries coming and speaking in fact, next Sunday, we're going to have uh, Mark and Serena Dunbar come and share. And they're also going to share on the theme of joy. And I, I told them, we're going to the fruit of the Spirit, you know, if you want to do that. They said, we, we have plenty to share about joy. It's so great. So they're going to come, not only that, but they're also going to share about the ministry that they're involved with in Mexico and how we can uh, take part in that as well. So each uh, each one we're going to go through here through the summer. and uh, But basically, you know, why would I follow up one series on, on uh, what we just have come from on on one? And we talked about one, one, uh, one hope, one truth, one way, one faith, the unity of us all that we need to have moving forward, especially in these days when COVID is trying to separate us, uh, all the restrictions, COVID is trying to drive a, a wedge. And, you know, basically you can call it COVID. I would call it the devil. I'd call it Satan, using the opportunity to be able to whittle in and, and, and cause dissension among us. But uh, why would we go from that then to the fruit of the Spirit? I think it's very, very needed. Um, you know, Because basically the COVID bomb has been dropped. And we are all in the fallout right now. We're dealing with after effects. And how do we deal with that? Well, I think we need to be reminded of what God says and tells us about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That if we, if we are followers of Jesus... And we need to make sure that we are growing in Christ. And growing in Christ means developing the fruit of the Spirit and having that grow in us as well, too. Really, both series of of what we had previously to this and then the fruit of the Spirit for the summer could be combined in a kind of a part one and part two type of series of how to live in a post-COVID world. (laughs) We could have gone the last few months before and talked part one and then this part two in the summertime. Because tensions are so heightened. Tensions are heightened with COVID restrictions, racial unrest, social media boldness, which, you know, a lot of people out there are willing to say what they want to say and they don't check it first. Uh, all these things happen. Everybody is just kind of on edge. But it, the feeling of all this, though, it seems like it's coming kind of to an end where we're kind of coming down on some things. And as the, gov- the governor was uh, telling us, there's a... Uh, uh, a change coming down the way. But uh, all this to say is that, as I mentioned to somebody else, we are like dry kindling. We're kind of like uh, ready to be sparked on fire by just the smallest little spark. And we need to be careful. We need to be ready to live in such a way that we aren't going to be that spark that's going to start a, kindle, uh, a kindling a fire in someone else's life. So my my question, though, if there is that spark that comes our way, what is, what, where's the joy? Where's the patience? Where's the, where's the kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control that should be there when the possibility of kindling might be sparked? Where do we have, where, where's that in our lives? And also too, for this series, the normal has been redefined. And we need to also reset ourselves as well. Where does this come from you know, after 16 months of mask mandates and social distancing, I'm sure that you your normal has changed quite a bit. And it will continue to be changed. And we need to, we need to be ready. Maybe you yearn for peace. <laughs> Maybe you're looking for uh, opportunities to show your joy. Here's the way then for the, this summertime, be able to go through this series and speak about these things and learn more about the fruit of the Spirit. But we need to be reminded of the fruit of the Spirit that should be developing in us. And again, it's fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. Something you probably, I know it's a little technical term, but basically think of it as nine flavors and one fruit. <laughs> okay? And uh, it's something, though, that you need to keep in mind. Now, taking a look at a uh, little little bit of uh, the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, let me just summarize briefly as an introduction to this to this series. And in case you, you ever wondered why the fruit of the Spirit is listed in the order it is, here's what I found out in my studies, and I think it's very fascinating. Look at the first three in Galatians 5, where you have love, joy, and peace. The first three virtues are habits of the mind that find their source in God. So if you look at those three, that's a, it's, it's from God, and it's the habits of the mind. Love, love is listed first because, again, it's the foundation of the other fruit. God is love and, and loves the world, as 1 John 4 tells us, and also in the familiar verse of John 3.16. And this self-sacrificing love that sent Christ to die for sinners is the kind of love that spirit-controlled believers will exhibit. If you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, you will exhibit this, and that is love. Then there's joy, uh, and this is a deep and abiding inner rejoicing which was promised to those who abide in. In Christ. It doesn't depend on circumstances because it rests in God's sovereign control of all things. God is in control. You rest in that. You have joy. And then there's peace. And peace is a gift of of Christ. As he tells us in John 14, verse 27, it's an inner rest. It's an inner rest and quietness. Even in the face of, of adverse circumstances and difficulties. It really basically defies human understanding. Philippians 4, 7 tells us about. Then you have the second three that come in line here. The second three are the patience, kindness, and goodness. And these second three reaches out to others. It's fortified by the the first three, the love, joy, and peace. Now it reaches out to others. Patience is the quality of, 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 of patience under provocation. When you're provoked, you're still being patient. Uh, it doesn't consider retaliation even when you're wrongfully treated. That would be patience. Kindness. Kindness is benevolence in action like what God demonstrated to us. Since God is kind towards sinners, we as followers of Jesus should display the same kind of virtue. Kindness. And then there's goodness. And goodness can be thought of as both an uprightness of soul and an action reaching out to others to do good even when it is not it's not deserved. That person in your life might not deserve the the, the goodness you, you give them or offer them, but you still do it. And then the last three, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the final three here, and and they guide the general conduct of a believer who is led by the Spirit. Faithfulness is the quality that causes the person to be trustworthy or reliable, like the faithful servant in uh, Luke chapter 16. And then gentleness, this marks a person who is submissive to God's word and who is considerate of others when discipline is needed. And then, of course, self-control. Self-control, this indicates a self-mastery and obviously relates to curbing the impulses described in Galatians 5.19 of the sinful nature. But without the power of the Holy Spirit, this quality is impossible to attain. You need the power of God to help you be self-controlled. And the Greek word translated fruit refers to the natural product of a a living thing, like the fruit of your hands or, or, or something like that. But Paul used fruit to help us understand the product of the Holy Spirit who lives inside every believer. We are guided by the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Spirit, not by the Christian. You can be available to learn how to develop it, but you can't do it yourself. You're not the person, you're not the one who develops that the Holy Spirit does in you. You You're just available to to have that uh, develop in you. And you're willing to move forward with that. And again, I mentioned this before, but the Greek word is singular, showing that fruit is a unified whole, not independent characteristics. So as we grow, all the characteristics of Christ will be displayed in our lives. All of them should. You don't just choose one that you think you're good at and go, Oh, I I can take care of the goodness part. I got that. But don't ask me to be (laughs) self-controlled. No way. Or, you know, don't ask me to be patient. But I sure can show kindness. Uh, We need to be demonstrating all of the fruit (laughs) and make sure that we have that going on in our lives. Just like physical fruit needs time to grow, the fruit of the Spirit will not ripen in our lives overnight. It takes time. It takes experience and situations that come in our, our way. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, God allows certain things in our lives so that we can develop that in our lives so that the Holy Spirit is able to uh, grow that fruit in us. I and mean, our plum tree right now in our backyard, all green little tiny things right now on that tree. There's a lot of them. It <laughs> looks like we're going to have a lot of plums, too. But uh, that's, on the, that's on the tree right now. Green fruit. It's going to take time for it to ripen. And uh, and also, too, while I was back there, not only looked, <laughs> looking at my trees and go, wow, this is cool, but I was out there doing some yard work uh, yesterday and the day before and uh, doing some weeding. There's a lot of clover that had uh, got into our wild strawberries there, and it was just kind of choking it out. And I was having to take care of the, and you know, you grab a handful of clover, you kind of grab a handful of strawberry too. I was like, bummer. (laughs) I hope I didn't take too many of those out. But uh, that that clover chokes out the strawberry plant, and the fruit doesn't develop properly. Now, in the same way, we must constantly work to rid our lives of the weeds of our old sin nature that want to choke out the work of the Spirit. And uh, we allow God to point out what those weeds are in our lives, and we allow Him to go ahead and and do the weeding in our lives. The Holy Spirit gives us the power we need to reject those old sinful desires. We can say no to sin and accept the way out that God faithfully provides by following the Holy Spirit's leading. As we give the Spirit more control of our lives, and that's the goal, as we live and and, uh, uh, follow Jesus, As we live as a Christian and follow Jesus, we are to give more control over the Holy Spirit. Allow Him to guide our lives. He begins to do in and through us what only He can do. is to shape us and grow us to look like Jesus. And so that's our goal, and like we have here as our mission as well too. We are followers of Christ, and we want to let others know about Him as well. Be more like Him. Living in the Spirit, we live in the Spirit. This is the salvation part, being made alive by the Spirit. So it also, you know, the verse following there in, in the, the list of the fruit of the Spirit, that we need to also walk in the Spirit. And this is sanctification, walking in the Spirit, growing in Him, allowing the Spirit to command and control our lives. And if you compare Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 24, with Colossians 3 verses 15 through 19, those portions of Scripture, if you compare those, you'll see that to be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Word of God. So the Word of God is part of this, and, and, which you know, shouldn't be too um, strange to you. But uh, the results of these two, two things is, is identical. The Holy Spirit working in us and Word of God. And that's why it's so important to read and study and obey God's Word. If we stray from that, Then we're going to be on our own, and we're going to be experiencing the weeds in our life and wondering, how did that weed get so tall? When I was weeding some of those things in our backyard, I could not believe how tall some of those, some were about as tall as me. and I was like, whoa, that's got to go down real fast. How did that happen? It seems like they just pop up overnight and just grow like crazy. And that's what will happen in our lives if we don't remain in God's word, uh, studying it, reading it, and obeying it those weeds will pop right on up. And walking in the Spirit isn't some emotional experience. It isn't some emotional experience that you might feel during singing songs or being together like this or whatever. It's the daily experience of a follower of Christ who feeds on the Word, who prays, and who obeys what the Bible says. Now, since God's goal for all His children is for us to be like Jesus. The Holy Spirit will constantly work in to rid our lives of the acts of the sinful nature and to display His fruit instead. So the presence of the fruit of the Spirit is evident that our character is becoming more like Christ. So if you ever want to know how you're growing in the Lord, check out how you're doing on the fruit of the Spirit. Go through the, the, the nine and and see where you're at. You can rank it or you can you can rate it in your life, 1 to 10, how you're doing on those. And you can see how then you are growing in Christ. I trust that we all have room to grow and we're all not going to be 10s in all those areas. I I figure we're not going to be 10s in all those areas until we uh, are glorified we head to heaven. But we are striving for that, working towards that in the way of allowing the Holy Spirit work in our lives to be able to have the fruit of the Spirit develop in us. So for the next few months we'll be taking a close look at each one of these spirit fruit characteristics, because uh, God has sent his Holy Spirit to produce them in abundance in each one of us, no matter what the season is. And our focus today, though, will be on love. And we'll look at that today. So let me back up real quick and and get a running start for love today. Paul wrote to the Christians in Galatia, which is present-day central Turkey, because false teachers were saying that believing in Jesus wasn't enough for salvation these false teachers insisted that you needed to believe in jesus and keep god's commands for entrance into heaven but paul maintained that uh, we are saved solely by what god has done for us through jesus we are free from the demands of the law now now this doesn't mean that we are free to ignore god's commands paul anticipated that conclusion when he wrote in galatians galatians chapter 5 verse 13 he said, you, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And maybe I can illustrate Paul's uh, point this way. Uh, I don't know of any underage children in our society who are required by their parents to pay rent for their bedrooms. <laughs> or, in fact, uh, I also don't think that uh, they are charged for the meals they eat at home. Now, maybe you ran your home differently. I don't know. But I don't see any of that happening and going on. You know, little Johnny, okay, looks like you slept here for, oh, looks like uh, all but maybe three nights. I'm not sure what happened those three nights. But anyway, we will charge you uh, 50 bucks each night for that one. So you now owe us. Uh, what would little Johnny do? <laughs> he doesn't have any income. We don't do that. You took some, uh, some meat from the refrigerator, made a sandwich, and uh, also used some of those grapefruit that uh, Linda wanted to have. Now you're eating it. Um, we're going to charge you extra for that one, actually, for the grapefruit, but uh, everything else. And Johnny's going, come on, I don't have anything. We don't see that going on. Parents provide these things at no cost to their children. They do it out of love. And the children are free from the burden of these expenses. But does that mean that these children are free to disrespect their parents? No. Free to trash their bedrooms? Not. You no, know, uh, or free to dump their, their full dinner plates on the floor for the fun of it. No, no, they're not to do that. That wouldn't show appreciation for the love the parents have uh, for their children by, by providing for them. In the same way, although we're no longer on the hook for having to keep all of God's commands to get into heaven, we'll want to keep those commands because It shows thanks to God for the salvation. We show gratitude for what he has done for us by obeying. But now uh, there is a part of us, the sinful nature, that is described before the fruit of the Spirit in, in Galatians 5, that doesn't care about salvation at all. It just wants to live for the here and now. And Paul gave these examples of of the works of the sinful nature. He said in uh, uh, verses 19 through 21, he said sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And Paul went on to say this, he said, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But it's hard not to fall into these sins. It happens. Our default study is to do what seems to be in our best interest right now. And so we throw fits of rage <laughs> when we don't get our way. But Paul wanted the Galatian Christians and also us to know that we are no longer slaves to the sinful nature. We have been freed and now live by The Holy Spirit. Paul put it like this in Galatians 5, verses 24 and 25. He said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When a criminal was crucified in Paul's day, it was one less bad guy society had to worry about. That's basically all. And in the same way, through faith in what Jesus has done at the cross, our sinful nature has been crucified. It's been crucified. It it should no longer control us, even though it hasn't actually died yet. Just as a, a passerby shouldn't have to fear the threats of a criminal who was hanging on the cross in Paul's time, or think he has to obey his commands, neither do we have to obey the commands of our sinful nature. There's a new force at work in our lives, the person of the Holy Spirit. He works in us to produce the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit that that we're going to take a closer look at in in these coming months. So, love. After all that, love, finally. An author once interviewed children about love. He asked one, how do you get someone to fall in love with you? (laughs) One little girl said, Shake your hips and hope for the best. (laughs) Okay. A boy was asked if he knew of any love songs, and he said, sure, I think one goes something like this. I'm in love with you most of the time, but don't bother me when I'm with my friends. I think he made that one up himself. We can laugh at responses like that, but the sad truth is many people don't really know what love is. Love is more than, than emotion or feeling. For example... John Mashwell, he said, puppy love won't see you through the dog days of marriage. (laughs) I think he's got that right. Love is an action. The Bible says that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. So tell me, do you get warm feelings when you think about yourself? (laughs) Have you ever had a crush on yourself? I kind of doubt it, and I really hope you haven't. That would be kind of weird. But uh, usually when you think about yourself, you probably think about all the things that you could do better, right? Like how you could be a better parent, a grandparent, or be a more obedient child. There are even things that you don't like about yourself. But does that keep you from taking care of yourself by, by eating and sleeping and finding time to relax? No, because you really do love yourself. And your love shows in the way that you act in your own best interests. So Paul wants us to know that this kind of love is to be aimed not just at ourselves, but also at the people around us. And take notice how the Bible says that we are to love our neighbor. That's anyone and everyone around you. Not just those people who are nice to you. We're to love Everyone, regardless of their age, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their economic status, or even their sexual orientation. We are to love them. We are to love everyone. We are to act in their best interest, even if they don't do the same for us. And we will want to to do this because this is the kind of love God shows us. In his letter to the Romans, Paul reminds us that God showed his love to us by sending Jesus to die for us. While we were still sinners. Not after he had cleaned us all up. And got got our act together. And and then we suffered forgiveness. But how will anyone see the love of God. If we, we don't show the love of God. We need to be the ones doing that. And be ready. So that makes love a choice. Not a feeling. You don't have to have a nice feeling. About someone to love them. You really don't. It wasn't because we were attractive to God that he sent Jesus here to die for us. (laughs) And so the grumpy cashier might not deserve your kind words, but because you've been called to love, you can and will choose to share kind words with that individual. Maybe that's all that person needs to have their grumpiness be changed around. But you might say, but isn't it dangerous to to show such kind of love? Yeah, yeah it is. When we open our hearts to others and do things to help them, we risk being disappointed. We risk being betrayed. But what happens if I give and the other person doesn't give back? What happens if, if I take the first step and they don't meet me there? You've got to remember that God took that risk as well when he sent Jesus to die for the whole world. Refusing to love others is, exactly, is actually the greater, the greater risk. The English author, C.S. Lewis, he once wrote, Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to be sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken, but it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where you can be safe from all dangers of love is hell. So are you withholding love from anyone? Take a little inventory in your your mind. Are you withholding love from anyone? And if you are, why? Why? Is it because you've been burned for sharing your love and you don't want to experience that again? God understands your pain. Jesus faced it when his love for Judas ended ended in his own arrest. But even then, he didn't withhold love from Judas, but still called him friend during the very act of betrayal. And it's not just Judas who has taken advantage of God's love. We do the same whenever we indulge our sinful nature. We do. And yet God doesn't remove his love from us. He continues to act in our best interest. He continues to forgive. And he calls us to keep doing the same with others. God doesn't just call us to show love. He produces that love in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Martin Luther once said that just as a rock that is left out in the sun doesn't have to be commanded to become warm, so those who bask in the light of God's word don't have to be commanded to show warm love. We will do this because when we're in the word and believe what is written there, then the Holy Spirit is in us and he will move us to love others. The Holy Spirit in you. That's what guides us. That's what causes us to be able to do the thing we can't do on our own. And sometimes there's some people in our lives that are unlovely. And we need to make sure that even the unlovely in our lives are shown God's love. So parents, are you trying to get your children to be more loving? (laughs) Keep them connected to the word. And spouses, are 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 you wanting to grow closer together in your marriage? Be in the word together. Talk about the sermon at home. Share what you learned in your devotional time. Talk about those things. Sharing God's word together. When we're regularly exposed to the light of God's word, the fruit of love, will follow. So love, it's fruit of the Spirit that is never out of season, as there is never a time when love is out of place. Love should always be given. Love should always be shown. So, in wrapping all this up then, so how how can you live a life of love to others? Let me share two things. I'll keep it simple. (laughs) Two things. First, you need to draw from God. You need to draw from God. How are you going to do this? You're going to draw from God. We never hear of an apple tree struggling to produce its fruit as long as sap flows within the tree. The blossoms will form. The apples will grow. It's spiritually impossible to be in union with God but not feel a love for people. If you have God flowing through you, his Holy Spirit flowing through you, it shouldn't be a problem to love others. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 and 20 speak on this. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And out to the verse 20, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. So it's spiritually impossible to be in union with God, but not feel love for people. Philip Keller, he said, I have the love of God only to the extent that I have God himself. To put it another way, I only have the love of God to the degree that God lives his life in and through me. How much are you allowing the Holy Spirit to live in and through you? The more God has my heart, the more his love can flow. Draw near to him whenever you can and be blessed by his love. And the way to grow is not to focus on your love. Remember that. Don't focus on your love. Focus on his love for you. When you do that, then you're, you're pretty much motivated to love other people. Peter learned this lesson the hard way. And he said he will follow Jesus wherever he goes, even if it means laying down his life for him. And then we find him denying Christ three times. Focusing on his own love for for Jesus. You're on shaky ground if you focus on on your love for God. Be motivated by God's love for you. The more you see his love, the more you become like him. So draw from God. Draw from God. The other thing you need to do to live a life of love, you need to choose to love. Wow, that's earth-shattering. Thanks, Pastor Jim. You need to choose to love. You do. It's a choice. To love is a choice, not a feeling. We tend to respond in love only to things that are beautiful and nice and loving and good. That's easy. But when something is ugly and horrible and grumpy, it's hard to love. But we are called to live a life of love. It is a choice we make. And our love must be proactive. Even if there's no feeling of love, you can still choose to love. And how do you do this? Well, start with the small stuff. Don't try to do the big, gigantic things all the time. Start with the small stuff, the ordinary things of life. For example, Matthew 25, verses 35 through 40, we're told there, it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, and, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did, you see, when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Start with the small stuff. What is it that God has you to do in someone else's life that might seem insignificant? It might not be insignificant for them. When you start with the small stuff, you realize that you don't have to prove your love by doing big things. Small things are big enough for God. (laughs) It is the small daily things that we do that matters. It is the small little habits that shape our character. Another way to, to choose love, not only start with the small stuff, but be on the lookout for people you can bless. Start with the small stuff and then watch, watch how God's going to lead you to someone to do that, bless them. When you see a need, it is God giving you an opportunity to show his love. Don't pass it up. When you're moved with compassion, don't ignore it. God may be prompting you about someone you need to reach out to. If somebody's name keeps coming up in your mind, do something about it. (laughs) Do something small, right? Start small. Don't put it off, though. Maybe make a phone call, send a text, maybe an email, and pray for that person at least that much. The Holy Spirit moves us for a reason. He put that concern in your heart and your mind on purpose. Maybe that person needs a little nudge of love from God. But respond to it by faith. You may not understand it, but God knows the person is in need. You may not realize that that what you're doing could probably change the trajectory of that person's life. Someone has said, love may not make the world go round, but it sure makes the trip worthwhile. (laughs) Let's make the trip worthwhile for those in our life who need the love of God. I trust that the Holy Spirit will place that someone on your heart and continue to do so throughout the week so that you can show the love of God to that person. I'm going to invite Andy and the worship team to come on up. Worship team is going to lead us in a couple songs here to wrap wrap our time up together here. But as they do so, just again, focus on how much God loves you and let that be the motivating factor of loving other people. And be sensitive how God is going to place a person on your heart. How you might be able to show love to them. Not in the grand, but big, gigantic ways. But maybe by the small, normal, ordinary ways of showing love to that person. I trust you'll be ready and uh, be willing to be used by, by God in that way.